So, this morning, I am excited to speak with you, to share what the Lord has placed on my heart. Um, and when I started to, to plan about this, it, it, it's the new year, right, everybody? It's the new year. Yay, 2022. Uh, last couple years, maybe we're not so woohoo. Maybe we're like, here we go. I, I heard a funny, I think my wife, Rachel, who is the worship leader, she saw somewhere that, like, why, why are we on a new year? Why, why don't we have, like, like a reboot? Like, like 2017 was decent. Like, let's redo that one. Like, <laughs> the new years lately have been less than desirable. So maybe we can just, like, but no, nevertheless, we're in a new year. Um, and we were praying, the elders and pastors, we had a prayer meeting the, not too long ago, and in that prayer time, the Lord spoke to me um, and, and gave me a picture. And I, I believe it's more, I don't know if it's more for everybody, or, but it's definitely for me. But I'm gonna sh- I feel like it's, uh, it's important to share right in this moment. Uh, and so I, as I was praying for the church and praying for the year to come in that time, he, he, he put me in a house that was experiencing an earthquake. And, and I saw myself running around the house trying to, like, hold up this picture. And then, then another one would shake, and I'd try to hold those vases on the wall. But then this one, and I was running amok, this, like, craziness, trying to keep everything afloat or everything from falling down. And then finally, the, the weight and pressure of everything just was too much. But and it flashed forward, and I was standing in the midst of rubble. There was no nothing, not just stuff off the walls, but literally framing everything down to the foundation I was standing in there. And there was a moment where I felt like a, a sadness, but then all of a sudden, as I was looking down, a two-by-four was placed in my hand. And as I looked up, it was the Lord placing new framework for me to build on the good foundation that I still had. And all of a sudden, I didn't worry about what was in the rubble because I also realized I don't need to pick up what had fallen and what I was trying to hold up so, so diligently, so all of my effort and work was going into trying to hold up on my own, with my own strength things that I had put on the walls. But here's the Lord handing me one two-by-four after another to rebuild the framework of my life to give me new pictures, to give me new dreams, to give me new things to fill on the foundation that I have. And I believe that each one of us in this this room today have a foundation. However big or small you may feel it is, it's the foundation that has been given to you by God. And he's going to give you new frames this year to build upon that foundation. A house that will not be moved. That when the wind blows, it may shake, but the foundation and the framework that is built upon will be stronger than any wind that could blow. It will not fall down. It will not knock. And the blessing that will come inside that house will remain safe and will not shake when earthquakes come, will not fall down. And it will be better, far more beautiful, far more uh, extravagant and abundant than anything you could ever imagine or produce on your own. So let your care be cast on the Lord and let him build within you something new this year. And then as I prepared for this this day, the Lord said, I am bringing my people to a new point of unity 
2022. As we live in a world that is, seems to be, I'm only 34, about to be 35, so my, my, my scope is, is yay long. I know it's not that much, but it seems to be more and more and more segregated and more and more isolated and more and more polarized in every aspect of the world. And I felt the Lord say to me that that is trickled into the church and probably didn't just start in our current situation, but I feel like the church has been segregated even within itself. One little difference of opinion breaks apart a whole entire family, breaks apart a whole entire denomination, breaks apart a whole entire church. We're polarized, we're segregated, we're isolated. We don't want to be around people right now. We don't want to do this. And some of us allow that to fall into our spiritual life as well, and we're segregated and isolated from the Lord even. And he said, no more. 2022 is a year of unity. He said, this is the year of salvation. This is the year of reconciliation, of healing, of restoration, of new beginnings. And so that launched me into the study that I am going to share with you this morning. He desires for his people to live in unity. The, I mean, the first and maybe the best picture of this is Adam and Eve, right? The, the desire of the Lord to have a relationship with his people. This was the first, this was, this was what it was supposed to be. We were supposed to be in in the Garden of Eden and living this glorious life and having constant communion with the Lord, walking, walking the earth and always connection, having relationship with each other. It's not good for man to be alone, so he made woman, thank God. Uh, we would have messed it up worse than, than anybody else could imagine. We need you to fix us. Uh, right? That's the picture of the, what the Lord wants. He doesn't want this weird segregation that we have in our own head of life and religion because it's not a religion. I don't know about you, but I'm not re very religious. I'm relational. I love my relationship with the Lord. And if it's religious, you can put it in this box over here and put it on the shelf for when I need to go to that. And then I have my work box and I have my wife box and I have my kid box and I have that other box that nobody knows about. And... But then here's my religious box, right? But that's not how it's supposed to be, and that's not how it was until sin entered, as we know. They were naked, but not ashamed. They were completely open and vulnerable, without a care. You can't be completely open and vulnerable without having a relationship with someone. As we all know, the closer you get to someone, the more open you become. You start to trust. You start to be vulnerable, you start to express those deep desires, those deep things to whoever it is. And that is the kind of relationship that the Lord wants with us. But sin entered the world. Darn. Like, darn. Like, I wish the story was different, but it's not. But! There's, I love buts in, in the word. But. But God. But God. Right? Later on in Genesis, a little bit, we read another story where the, the people are unified. It's in Genesis 11. Um, and I'm going to read Genesis 11, 1 through 9, if you would like to follow on along. You can turn there, or you can just listen to my beautiful voice. It's great. <laughs> just kidding. I teach junior high school. I, I try to preface this all the time, so 
I become like them a little bit, at least sometimes in my humor, so uh, forgive me. Pray for me later. Um, Genesis 11, verse 1, says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. They were unified. They could communicate with each other. And they came, it came to pass. Woo, that's a lot there, Daniel. The voice of the Lord is coming. Um, as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of uh, Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they, had, they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had bricks for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the earth. Oops. But, <laughs> bad idea. Uh, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they have one language. He noted, they're all together. They're in unity. They have one language. They're, they can speak to each other. And this is what they begin to do? I feel like that's kind of the tone of voice that God was like, Are you kidding me? This is what you choose to do? Sometimes I feel like that's what God, his tone of voice is with me. So maybe not you, but anyway, this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose will be withheld from them. And we're going to come back to that because that's an amazing promise about unity. But they, unfortunately, were trying to exalt themselves. They had pride. They were self-seeking They were trying to bring glory to man, building the tower to the heavens so that we can make a name for ourselves. and it's me, 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 me. So God confuses them. He said, come, let us go down, and they're confused their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from, uh, from there all over the face of the earth, and they ceased building the city. And therefore, the name, or the, its name is called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. And as we know, we all live on different places in the earth, and we all have different languages throughout the year. I don't even know how many different languages and dialects within languages that prevent people from clearly communicating well, and all of the confusion that comes even within that. Um, we still live in that, but God. But wait for the but. We're not there yet. But God. But he's like, you can't, we can't do that. The promise right there is key. The promise still stands. The promise of God of being in unity with each other is that, did you catch it? It says in verse, uh, I think it's five, or maybe four. I, I promise. I'll find it. <clears throat> that nothing will be held from them, right? It says in it's verse, middle of verse six, right? Nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. And even Jesus, when he walked this earth, he prayed to the Lord about unity. In John chapter 17, he's praying. He's nearing the end of his time on earth, and he's praying to the God. I'm praying not only for these disciples. This is John 17, 20. But for all who will ever believe in me through their message. 
It's you and me, by the way. If you, if, it's, it's great to put your name into. So Jesus says, I'm praying not only for these guys, but I'm also praying for Chris, who will believe in me through my, their message. And I pray that Chris will be one with others, right? In verse 21, it says, I pray that they will be one as you and I are one. You are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. One of the greatest evangelistic tools that we have, as I read this, is the unity that we can have with each other. They will believe that you sent me. They will believe in Jesus if they will be united together as one. I am challenged by this as I am sometimes so much in my flesh and able to be so offended over such a small thing. And what am I doing to those that are viewing me? What, what evangelistic... Did you know that evangelism isn't just going and giving someone something or handing a dollar, but it's every day that you walk past someone, every smile you give, every high five you give. I walk on a campus with 1,500 junior high school students. And every time that I come in contact, no matter how big or small that contact is, it's my moment to evangelize to that student, for that student to see Jesus within me, for their life to be changed from then on. Every moment they have, it tweaks their trajectory of their life. They don't realize it, especially in those moments, which I feel like youth ministry is such a huge part because they only have about this far they see in their life. <laughs> that's the only, that's the depth of their ability. Not their fault, just the reality. We were all once there, and, and, and they don't like that we were once there. They don't believe that we were once there. And so we have to trick them to, to think that we're just, you know, being friendly and not actually helping them. they they got to come do it on their own. But realistically, they don't see the small change but if you know mathematically, if you're going one way and you change it just a time, it's not a big deal. I'm going here. Now I'm going here. It's not a big deal. I can still see it. But by the time you get to age 35, if you stay on this line, now you are supposed to be way over there, but you're, you're, and you're like, I, how did this even happen? How, I, there's no way I can even go back. And maybe some of us have a reality in our own life of feeling that way. But God, right? But gods are so good. But God. So the evangelistic tool of being in unity. They will know that you sent me, and they will believe that you sent me. They will believe. But we have the ability to also be in unity and in one speech. Even though we speak different languages, we have the Holy Spirit. That unity, the unity that the world seeks to have, that each political party or each whatever that we want to be united in one cause and we all believe the same thing, that they'll never get it. They will strive for a lifetime and never realize that it is only in the Lord that we will find that unity. It is only through the Holy Spirit that we can be united as one. In Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit fell on the church for the first time, all were together in one accord and they were praying and it says that like tongues of fire appeared to be settling on them and they spoke in different languages and everybody around started to hear their own language being spoke and they understood in unity they started to communicate together 
powerful. And that Holy Spirit, I think we overthink. I did. It's like, it was like voodoo magic when I first, I was like, what is this? It's simple. Listen, in, in, where is it at? I wrote it down. In Ephesians, it's like black and white. I love black and white scriptures. It's like, you can't out of context this. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you, he stamped you, he marked you. This is how you know you are his. He identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. At the moment of belief, you received the Holy Spirit. That's what it says. Whom he promised long ago, the Spirit of God. Uh, the Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give you the inheritance he promised. And that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. At the moment of belief, you received. Do you believe this morning? Mm, Lord, help. Help us believe. Help our unbelief. I, I feel it is. We're, we're, we're a constant work in progress. God's not done with you yet, ever. Right? Salvation is the beginning. It's the starting line, not the finish line. That first belief was for salvation. Believe and you will be saved. I also... Follow me on this one. Belief is only half, right? Believe and confess. Therefore, belief produces action. I'm challenged by the statement that I wrote, and I'm not trying to be offensive, but I also think that if verbal belief is spoken without actionable evidence, then belief is actually a lie. I don't believe you actually believe if we don't see evidence of that belief through the action. Believe causes confession. Salvation comes. Belief causes Holy Spirit to dwell, or salvation causes, through belief, causes Holy Spirit to dwell, in which a lot of things should start to be produced within your life. It says in the word, I think in Luke somewhere, where a tree will be known by its fruit. That's a very simple analogy of this. I cannot be like, I'm an apple tree, but here are my lemons. Are you sure? Right? I believe in the Lord Jesus. I believe he is my Lord and Savior. I believe I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. But what about, what about these things? And I'm not, it's not, I believe that there are, are things in my life that I don't even realize I have unbelief or doubt in. Does that make sense? It's not necessarily a, always a conscious decision of unbelief. I think there are areas of our life where we don't believe and we don't realize we don't believe. Or we have doubt and we don't even realize we have doubt. There's a, a story in Mark where uh, a man's son is sick and he's coming to Jesus for him to heal him. He's, he has seizures and he's possessed by, by demons and he's asking for a healing. And he's begging with Jesus and he says, <clears throat> you know, if you, can, if you can, if you can have compassion on him, if you can do it, if you can, if you can help us. And Jesus says, if I can, if, I, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. That's Jesus' response to him. And the father 
cries out. And he says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. If he can say in the same statement, I believe, but yet help my unbelief. I believe you are Lord. I believe what you say. I believe all things are possible, but yet this is the thing I'm believing before. So where is it that I have unbelief or doubt that is prohibiting me from walking in the fullness and the promise that you've just said? Lord, help my unbelief. And that's part of where I land. Because there are things in my life that I want to see the Lord do. And I believe in my head and I want to see them come. So, Father, where are the things that I don't even realize that I have unbelief? Where are the things that I don't even realize I have doubt? Help my unbelief, Lord. So through that belief and salvation, you receive the Holy Spirit instantly. The Holy Spirit dwells within you right now if you believe that he is your Lord and Savior. And there's an amazing one amazing promise we, we have time to talk about this morning, that, uh, about the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We have a promise to see miraculous signs follow our belief. If you uh, go back to Acts 2 and you read down in verse 17, uh, Peter gets up and starts to explain. Because they're like, what is going on? These people are talking crazy. They sound drunk. And he's like, eh, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. It's too early for that. <laughs> but listen. And he quotes Joel, the prophet. He says, this is the quote from Joel. This is Acts 2, 17 through 19. God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. My sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams. And in those days I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the, Lord's arrive, or of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All is a great word in scripture too. I will pour my spirit out upon all people, men, women. You can, you can fill in any you know, delineation of segregation that you want. Right? It doesn't matter. Whoever, all God's people, he will pour his spirit out upon. There is no way for you to be uh, out, off the list. He's not checking it twice. Going to find out if you've been naughty. He knows already, by the way. And he doesn't care. He forgives you when you come to him. It's not Santa. Thank God. All people. And the, the recipient, or, the way to receive is so easy. Believe. And then also we get a commission, right? In, in Matthew 16, 17. Um, when we receive the Spirit, we receive the Lord as our Savior, we're commissioned to go out and to preach the gospel. And it says that these signs, these miraculous signs will, not might, not if they do X, Y, Z, but these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. 
They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. They will drink anything poisonous, and it will not hurt them. They will be able to place hands on the sick, and they will be healed. This is the year that we are unified together. This is the year that the Holy Spirit binds together the the body of Christ in a new way so that we can walk in confidence, so that we can go forth living out. And this is also the year that I I, I want to be challenged in every aspect of my life to be revealed those places of unbelief. If I currently, for whatever reason, don't have the belief that if I put my hand on the sick and th- that they will heal, and I want to be challenged there. Lord, challenge me. That's a hard prayer to pray, but I, I hope you're with me. The Lord is asking, where are you willing to go? What are you willing to do? Greater things than even Jesus did. Are we able to do? That should be our expectation every time we wake up in the morning. Lord, what do you have for me today? Maybe I'll walk on water today. (laughs) Maybe I'll heal a sick person today. Maybe I'll see a salvation today. Maybe a broken heart will be healed by my handshake. Maybe I'll get to bless somebody when I eat with them. Maybe I'll be able to comfort someone who's sad. Everything matters to the Lord, and every day is a day that he has created for you. Rachel, if you want to go play for a second. We have the ability. We don't live in the time between Babel and the Holy Spirit. Amen? We live in such an amazing time. The Holy Spirit poured out. Access to the Holy Spirit each and every one of us. I love the the thought that when we go to heaven, everybody that lived before Jesus is going to come up to us. What what was it like? What was it like to live with the Holy Spirit? Some of them were like, we waited 400 years to hear from him again. Every moment of every day you got to be with him, he spoke to you. That dude over there got spoken to, but we just had to go talk to him. Wasn't that cool? What was it like? I don't want to take for granted the time that we live in, the access to glory that we have, the access to the Holy Spirit. I don't want to take for granted that I am seated at the right hand of the He is my champion and that he is championing me to go forth in the earth to preach the gospel that I should wake up every day with an expectation to see 